As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. As countries around the world fight for World Cup qualification, the men's national team of Afghanistan makes its return for the first time since the Taliban retook control of the country. The Athletics' Nick Miller is here to explain what it means for a nation where team sports were previously banned. I'm Alex Abnos, and this is Soccer Every Day for Monday, November 15th. When you see Afghanistan in the news lately, or really over the last 20 years, maybe more, you're really not thinking about soccer, and understandably so. Um, However, on this very big week for World Cup qualifying, this past very big week for World Cup qualifying, I want to talk today with Nick Miller from The Athletic about a friendly that's taking place that has no impact on World Cup qualifying or anything like that, that involves the national team of Afghanistan against Indonesia in Turkey. Uh, why are we talking about this game? I think it's for a good reason, because this is a really interesting story. Nick, you are writing a story about this uh, this game that is going to be up on The Athletic either today or tomorrow. Um, what is it that initially drew your interest to this particular story? Um, it's just the what football or soccer can mean to a country where, in theory, it shouldn't be the the anywhere near the biggest priority um sure. and particularly i was uh, there's there obviously a lot to, spoken and written about the um the women's team and the women's players which we will, we will i think we'll get to later on um but there didn't seem to be a huge amount spoken about the men's team and obviously the the women's uh the players that and the the management position is uh, is just much much worse. Um, but I was kind of interested in how uh, the men's team games sort of um, how they would be viewed by the Taliban after they returned in in August this year. Whether they would be actually you know be letting the team sports being played as as they didn't during the the first time that they were in charge. Um, so I'd, I'd been in touch with the uh, head coach of the national team while he was basically trying to get games arranged. Um, they they don't have any 
sort of competitive game scheduled until next year. But um, the the head coach was kind of desperately trying to get some friendlies played cause, just because of the sort of the, the symbolic nature of it um, as, as their first game after uh, the Taliban returned. Well, I think it might make sense to to go back in time a little bit and and offer some kind of context. Let's go back to about 2001, 2002. What happened to football in Afghanistan after the invasion? And at what point did it return? Because it sounds like it just kind of didn't exist. Internationally. International football didn't exist uh, in Afghanistan for uh, basically a generation for, from... Uh, there were no the, the the men's team didn't play a single game from 1984 to 2002 um, initially because of the Afghan Soviet war and it was just obviously you know no, no one wants to play a football game in that kind of situation and then from sure. 96 the Taliban banned all recreational activities uh, including team sports um, but then. After uh, the Taliban were uh, left the country or were, were uh, chased out of the country, however you want to uh, characterize it, uh, in 2001, 2002, uh, the team started up again. And they, they, um, they, their first games back were in the Asian Games in 2002, which were held in South Korea. And I, I think it's kind of probably important to... Um, perhaps clarify that the Afghanistan men's football team aren't any good and they never really have been any good. Uh, And in the the Asian Games, it was kind of, it was a symbol of their return to sort of international international stage and not just in in football, in kind of many other sports, but they played three games. They lost them all by an aggregate score of 32-0. So, you know, that's the the kind of... um, the the level of play that we were t- we were talking about. So, you mentioned that you were in touch with a coach, uh, a guy named Anush uh, Dasker. Am I pronouncing that correctly, Dasker? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, who is Anush Dasker? Uh, when did he sort of become the coach of Afghanistan, and what were his goals for the for the program? What are his goals for the program? I should say. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Anush Dasker was born. Um, so he was born in Kabul in uh, 1989, and he spent the first sort of 10, 11 years of his life as a refugee. His family uh, left the country because of the the Soviet-Afghan War. Um, they were spent some time in India. They spent some time in Pakistan, and eventually settled in uh, the Netherlands. And um, he was a a kind of fairly decent player and then he had a quite bad knee injury when he was 20 and moved into coaching um he did some coaching at a, a team in the Netherlands uh NEC Nimadun I think that's how you pronounce that um which is uh, was his day job for a little while and uh, his uh, current day job is the head coach of VV Duno which is uh, a team in the fifth tier of uh, Dutch football but more significantly he became the uh, a, the assistant coach to uh, Otto Fister, who um, people, kind of keen watchers of uh, various teams at the World Cup will have spotted this guy um, managing assorted teams. He he managed uh, Cameroon for a little while. He, he managed a, a, quite a number of other teams. Togo, I think he was head coach of for a little while. Um, I think he took Togo, I think he was the coach that took Togo to the World Cup in 2006. 
Um, and he was in charge of the national team in 2017 and 2018. But when he left, uh, he basically recommended Anoush um, to take over as head coach. And he was, uh, that this was in 2019. So he was only 29-30 when he took over as the the head coach of the wow. national team, which is, you know, it's all a pretty extraordinary story and that there is a be- there is a book being written about Anoush um, by a Dutch journalist, which is coming out next year. It's just this kind of fairly extraordinary story of this Afghan refugee, essentially, who um, whose family are from the kind of north of the country and who's, a lot of his family did go back to Afghanistan uh, in the sort of mid two thousands to try and rebuild the country again, basically, um, and yeah, he's um, he is is a re- obviously a fascinating guy. He is under sort of you would think that he someone managing a team like Afghanistan would be under sort of no illusions that they were ever going to achieve anything but he's he's incredibly ambitious he not only does he want is he kind of aiming and thinks they have a realistic chance of uh, qualifying for the Asian Cup for the first time in their history which will the qualifiers start to go up again next year but he thinks that this the men's team playing international football playing games like they are against Indonesia this week can help in some respects unite a what is obviously a to say the least, an extremely divided country. Um, I mean, it, you can't fault his ambition or his idealism, I suppose, whether you think that, that any of those aims are realistic anyway, then, you know, I, I, I don't know. But um, he his energy and his ambition for this team are pretty remarkable. Um, so he takes over in 2019 and... You know, you don't have to be a genius to to figure out that the next two years are a little bit of a challenge between the pandemic and then, of course, the Taliban retaking control earlier this year. How do those two events, and particularly the second one, the Taliban retaking control, how does that impact football in, Af- in Afghanistan, the national team? And you said that they had banned team sports altogether in their previous uh, time in charge. Is that the same Is it, or, or is there actual support for, for the game now? I would imagine that since the game, that since the team is playing uh, this game, that it's at least a little bit different. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a difficult one because the Taliban now, um, they seem to be, they're much more, it's, it seems very strange just to to call them media savvy, but they they kind of are. They sure. have a a slightly um, they they regard their image as slightly more important than they did for the last time. So sure. I, whether it was this was the case in the states or not, but uh, listening to a lot of the coverage in the UK where the, where various talking heads and experts would go on TV and radio and podcasts and talk about, you know, what, what the Taliban were like this this time. There were lots of very kind of earnest people saying, oh, actually, no, they're, they're different this time. They're more, they're more liberal. They're more accepting. They, um, you know, they may even let uh, women be educated and this kind of thing, which, uh, as it turns out, was was absolute nonsense. They, they are were essentially the, the same... Um, 
uh, hardline and just absolutely horrific regime as they were before in most areas. But one of the things that they have been a little bit more relaxed about is team sports and Although I should, we should obviously clarify men's team sports. Men's team sports, yes. And um, they have, you know, they, they've been in dialogue with um, the Afghan Football Association, and they are at the moment, at least, happy for them to play games. Um, there is all the people that I spoke to were very much of the kind of opinion. We'll believe this when we see it. Um, the first time I spoke to Anoush was sort of maybe a three weeks, a month after the Taliban returned. And what he said then was um, their position at the moment is that men's teams can continue to play, but that could change any day now. Um, they obviously managed to get this game against Indonesia uh, organised. Um, so it would appear that the, the Taliban are happy for them to play these games at the moment. But again, that really, really could change uh, at any moment. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So as you said, uh, Anush talked a little bit about the sort of importance of football, even though it's a relatively unimportant things in the in the scheme of the grand scheme of everything that Afghanistan has gone through in the last, geez, you know, decades, the last few decades, let's just say, to to simplify grossly. Um, given that, and given, uh, you know, maybe what football can do for for the country as a uh, as a, as a sort of a thing of national pride. Um, I think it's interesting that you mentioned in your story the continued play of this national team isn't entirely lauded. It's not it's not it's not been received with open arms from all quarters. And there are a couple of reasons for this that I think are actually pretty interesting and pretty understandable. Uh what are those reasons? Well, the two main ones uh I think that anyone could have opposition and I should clarify that I haven't that the, the there, as far as I'm aware, there hasn't been any sort of huge outcry against them um, playing. It's just these are the, the reasons why it might feel uncomfortable that the men's team could play. The sure. first one, which I just kind of touched on, is that the, the, it's possible that the Taliban could be using the men's team as a sort of PR vehicle to them to say to the to the outside world, "Look, we're you know we're hey we're cool, relaxed guys now. We like we we let people play soccer." Um, which and that there is obviously a danger that the the players and the coach could be used as sort of PR tools, which is something that um, Anoush was very kind of quite. Uh, he was really uh, keen to say that, that you know, as they did not play for the government before the Taliban arrived, and they're not playing for the government now. They are playing 
for themselves and they're playing for the people of Afghanistan. Um, the other, uh, probably more, possibly more important or significant reason that people might be uncomfortable with the men's team playing is that not only can the women's team not play, but um, the women's team, the players that have played for the women's team have been desperately trying to get out of the country for you know the last two or three months because for well for, you know for obvious reasons that the, the those it was it's considered improper by uh, by the Taliban for women to be involved in those kind of team sports and the people that were known to have played for the Afghanistan women's team were in genuine serious danger um people may have read and listen and heard the story of um, Khalida Popal, who was the used to be the uh, captain of the um, Afghanistan women's team, who is now sort of essentially in exile. Um, she has spent the last couple of months trying to get female players out of the country to safety. Um, when I spoke to her this week, she said she was still working on getting forty-five players um, out of the country. Um, and you know, some of their families as well. So it is. She she did um, when I, when I asked her about this, she sort of said that it's good that the the men of the country kind of are, are still allowed to play, and she's you know she referred to it as a a basic human right. But um, she said at the same time, uh, it's sad to see that um, for the same doing the same thing that women are threatened, and she was kind of sitting there tr- desperately r- firing off emails to whoever she thought she thinks can help get these female players out of the country and and to some some sort of safety um so you can understand that at best it might be galling to her and some of the people she, she's working with and the people that are trying to help get um women in serious danger out of the country that the men are just allowed to play this game with any without any kind of repercussions and just you know allowed to do as they please well given all of this and and all the context surrounding football in afghanistan afghanistan itself the women's team what do you think that this game against indonesia what is pretty much a meaningless friendly in a neutral venue does this mean anything for for the country as a whole as best you can tell i'm, I'm curious in particular what Maybe Anoush has to has to say about it. Uh, the, you know, the coach of the of the men's team. He, uh, as I mentioned before, he has kind of very lofty aims, and uh, he thinks that the the power of of this uh, team can, you know, can do great things for the country. Yeah. Um, I'll kind of read the 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 quote that closes the the article that I wrote out verbatim. He said, "My dream is much bigger than being the national team coach. My dream is to make those people and." By those people, he means the, the just the people of Afghanistan feel proud, so that they have something to talk about, so that they have something to share with the world. And he thinks that this is a at best incredibly um, fractured country, and he thinks that um, the men's team being able to play these international games can help bring it together. I, I mean, it's it really is difficult to see how on a any sort of um significant or practical level that that could really happen maybe if you know they they go on to achieve great things and they reach the asian cup and do do something there then perhaps then the the aims that he has can 
he can succeed in those. But um, it, the, just this friendly, I think, is symbolic, um, and you can kind of make your own mind up as to whether it's good symbolism or bad symbolism. It's obviously great for the for the people involved, um, and to to some of the people, um, the some of the population of Afghanistan. What this this single game is going to achieve in kind of any sort of significant way, I don't know. Um, but as I said before, you, it's difficult to fault the ambition and the you know, the goals and the aims and the idealism of Anush and the rest of his team. Well, Dick Miller, it's a it's an interesting story. Thank you for for writing about it and thank you for talking about it on the show today. My pleasure. Afghanistan plays Indonesia on Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern, and as best as I can tell, there is no TV for that game in the United States. Elsewhere in soccer today, the final match day of the group stage of European World Cup qualifying comes to a close for a few groups. England can secure qualification with a win against San Marino, but the real action is in Group C. Italy and Switzerland are tied on 15 points with Italy ahead on goal difference. If Italy wins and keeps that goal difference advantage, They'll qualify for the World Cup automatically. Any other results, and it could be Switzerland that goes automatically instead, with Italy going through to the playoff. It'll be interesting. Italy is visiting Northern Ireland while Switzerland is hosting Bulgaria. All those games are at 2.45 p.m. on ESPN+. This show is produced by Mike Zimmerman with help from John Hayes. You can get ad-free versions of the show by subscribing to The Athletic, and you can get 33% off a year subscription by going to theathletic.com slash soccer every day. Thanks for listening, and happy soccer to you all.